Welcome to Politics Done Right. I am your host, Egberto Willis. This is a progressive program that will take the mystery out of politics. This is the program that will encourage you to make sure government becomes we the people. Whether you are liberal, progressive, conservative, or otherwise, you get to hear your point of view. We are an independent media outlet that, unlike mainstream media beholden to corporations, we only owe allegiance to you. Remember, you can also send me a tweet at E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L-I-E-S. That is at Egberto Willis. Let us engage. It is politics done right. Welcome to Politics Done Right from the studios of KPFT 90.1 FM, Houston, your community radio station. We have a great program for you today. Our headliner today is Katrina Van Den Heuvel. Everybody knows her as the woman who founded the Nation magazine, who is the editor of the Nation magazine, who runs the publisher of the Nation magazine. She's going to talk a whole lot about uh, Russia today. We also have, of course, the piece by Ari Melber talking about what Marco, the, the two phases of Marco Rubio, the two faces of Marco Rubio. He's going to show that, hey, at first he thought Donald Trump was the worst thing in the world. And now he claims that Donald Trump could actually be beat Biden and probably would even make a better president than Biden. Of course, he's delusional. This is politics at its worst, politics at its worst. And then I have a rather sad story out of uh, one of our listeners out of Michigan who actually has a neighbor whose husband died because of the failure of our healthcare system. And he wasn't even one of the poor folks who are, who are used to uh, a bad healthcare system. He had the means, but you know what? He didn't have the plutocracy, the, the capitalist nature of our healthcare system killed him. He went to the local healthcare uh, local hospital. They couldn't take care of him because they didn't have the right equipment. You know, right now we're talking about consolidation in areas because it makes more profits for you know whom. And then they had to take her, take him to the big city. She took her husband to the big city. And the big city, it was on a weekend. And because they try to minimize their cost, there just wasn't a cardiologist available for him at that time as he waited and he waited for over 12 hours. And then he perished a death that needn't have occurred. So that is the things that we do here. We make people aware of all these things. So what I want to tell you guys, sit tight because we have a hell of a program. You're going to love all the different pieces of it. And at the same time, you're going to say, let's go ahead and contribute to it. We are in our winter fun drive, but folks, please stick with me. I'm not just going to give you a fun drive pitch. I'm not just going to be doing a whole lot of pitching and pitching and pitching. I'm going to do a short pitch here at the beginning. I'm going to do a slight little pitch in the middle. And then at the end, a small pitch. It's, don't forget, please support the show. Support the station as well. Why am I asking you to support KPFT 90.1 FM Houston? It is extremely important. Remember that KPFT embraces cultural diversity. We represent the entire Houston, the entire metropolitan area. We represent the entire 
country. KPFT supports programming that's not the status quo. We challenge the status quo. We don't give you what the corporatocracy just want to give you. We are here to tell you not only the truth, but to express it in a way that we all understand. That's KPFT's job. We are not trying to forget the past. We embrace the past. And we are there to celebrate the future because things change. What am I saying? Please remember KPFT 90.1 FM is a gem. We are in the process of moving. We are in the process of relocating to a new space. We need you more than we have ever needed you before to keep this thing going. Over 50 years of giving you great info, not only progressive programming, but alternative uh, programming. What do we mean by alternative programming, we mean things that you are not going to get elsewhere. We also mean telling you the truth about things that others may not want you to know. So please remember, folks, call 713-526-5738. Again, that number is 713-526-5738. But even better, visit kpft.org, click the donate button, make sure you select politics done right for the program. The form will give you your donate and gift options. Please get one of my several books out there. As I see it, Class Warfare, the only resort to right-wing doom for a contribution of $120. It's worth it. How to talk to your right-wing relatives, friends, and neighbors for a contribution of $120. How to make America utopia, take away the economy from those who rigged it for a pledge of $120. Get any two of those books for $200, any three of those books for $250. Contributions from my books go directly to support our station, KPFT 90.1 FM. Alternatively, folks, please get your basic KPFT-only membership for $40, a Pacifica-only membership for $25, or choose from one of our many other gifts for your contribution. Just go to kpft.org. Choose Politics Done Right for the program and select an option either for our books or something else to support the station. It is definitely worth it. And guess what? We have a great donor. She said, Egberto, you raised $600 today and you've got $300 from me. So my dear friends, please get the books at either 120 $240, uh, $150. Whatever, get the books or go ahead and get a membership. All of it adds up. Either $25 Pacifica membership for $40, KPFT membership, the books or other good gifts that you have at the stuff. Just select Politics Done Right as the choice. But please help me collect that extra $300 for, poli- for not for Politics Done Right, but for KPFT. If you, come, if you support us right now, please, kpft.org, kpft.org, or call 713-526-5738. You can really help us to get this stuff going. Hey, you know what? Uh, we've been, as you know, we are moving locations from uh, the old KPFT location, which had to be uh, sold. A, a lot of problems there. We're getting a new location, but we have to start building up the capital funds, etc., for that. So we need your support more than ever. And I tell you what, if you support us now, you help us on our way to get there. But we haven't had that good touchy feely with our with our listeners. You know, I love being at KPFT. 
PFT and answering those phones and having my negative callers, my positive callers, my neutral callers, the callers who want to call me out. I love that. I love that exchange with our people that we haven't been having because we're not in studio. I, you know, uh, Wayne Parrish, one of our great listeners and supporters, gave me a call up and he said, Egberto, I want you to cover something about Marco Rubio. I just saw this on TV and it just drove me crazy. And I want you to go out there and just talk a little bit about it. I said, you know what, Wayne, if I was in the studio, you would have called me and said the same thing and I would have done it. So here's what I am going to start doing. If you guys have something to tell me and you want to do what you're going to see me do with Wayne here, just give me a call up or give, send me an email at info at politicsandright.com, info at politicsandright.com, and we'll set up a Zoom. Alternatively, you can just go in front of your telephone, do a video and says, Egberto, I saw this on this date on TV. Why don't you cover that? And you know what? I'll also splash your video like I'm splashing uh, Wayne's video on screen because this is what we want, engagement. This is what you get out of KPFT. You get to engage with the person you actually listen to. You get to engage with this person where, or a, a radio station where you actually have an input in. This is your station. So please make sure to support us. 713-526-5738 or kpft.org. Do remember to say this is in the name of Politics Done Right so that as they go through these numbers, they can see, you know, Politics Done Right is holding its own here at KPFT. 713-526-5738. Help us continue to build up this great, wonderful station. But you know how we get this baby started. Let's get busy. Today, we are honored to have one of our great listeners out there in the Big HTX, Houston, Texas. We are here with Wayne Parrish, a, a great contributor to KPFT 90.1 FM. Wayne, how are you doing today? So far, so good. Everything's been going great today. Well, you know, it's funny because when you call me up and said, Egberto, there's this guy on TV, this senator that's just talking a whole lot of crap. Why don't you say something about what he's talking about? I said, you know what, Wayne, you're absolutely right. But you know what? I wanted to hear from you to one of our listeners. So just tell me what got to you about it. Well, what got to me was the blatant lies that the man was telling. And I'm talking about Marco Rubio, Florida, senator from Florida. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's a Excuse about uh, supporting uh, not supporting Donald Trump uh, 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 undercover supporting Donald Trump. Yeah. Uh, he was on uh, Ari Melba and uh, they asked him a question. Did he uh, did he support Donald uh, uh, Trump? And he went out loud and, and, and signed these different things but he never did answer the question. Well, my question about the, the race that they had uh, when he was running for the presidency uh, as a candidate, and uh, Donald Trump called him Little Rubio or Little Marco, and uh, what did he think about it? He had no answer, but he still consisted on trying to uh, say that Donald Trump would be a better president than Joe Biden. Well, I, I just know that that's just not true. That there's nothing that Donald Trump did for the country. Well, you know what, Wayne, one of the reasons I said, you know, when you called me and told me about that, I said, you know what, KPFT haven't been putting a whole lot of our listeners on uh, recently. I just wanted to get one of our old time listeners on to say, you called me up and said, Egberto, you need to cover this material. So what I'm going to make sure to do on my next show on Thursday 
is to cover this material that you talked about with uh, Marco Rubio in Florida so that we can make sure that all that bad information that he gave is actually corrected. It sounds good to you, my friend. That sounds very good, Egberto. And uh, I'll get back to you with another one soon. Uh, but yeah, do that. Please do that. Uh, this has to be the street all the way around. I mean, we, we're losing so much here in, in, uh, in Texas as far as voting rights. Um, this is just not good. And the two, two senators that we have here in Texas, they, yeah, I, I can't even use They're so bad. Well, you know, Wayne, I appreciate you uh, talking to us. Uh, we'll, we'll have you, uh, you know, we, we appreciate what you do here. So you keep listening to the news. And when you hear these scripts, you just let us know, all right? Okay. Thank you. Peace. I don't know how I missed this one, but a KPFT listener called me up and he said, Egberto, did you catch that one with Ari Melber? And I said, no, but I mean, come on, tell me a little about it. I want you guys to listen to this because this is a thing that we need to do in this next election coming up because we can actually point out the hypocrisy and let America decide. Do you trust this one or do you trust those who are really doing the right thing? Check this out and then we'll take it on the other side. Take Marco Rubio as we look at the people who know better because they told us once upon a time they knew better. He's tap dancing with comments that Pence was right. He's also cozying up to Trump. He is the kind of Republican that Marco Rubio warned against. Do you agree with Mike Pence? Well, if uh, President Trump runs for re-election, I believe he would defeat Joe Biden. And I don't want Kamala Harris to have the power as vice president to overturn that election. For years to come, there are many people on the right, in the media, and voters at large that are going to be having to explain and justify how they fell into this trap of supporting Donald Trump. Because this is not going to end well. He'll have thrown this party into its most chaotic and divisive period ever. And that's unfortunate. Would almost be funny if it wasn't so serious. The trap, whether Marco Rubio knows a ton about the trap, he did seem to know about that trap. He diagnosed his own ailment. He is the doctor and the patient with a Trump sickness. So, yes, some of these themes are familiar because, well, it's been the political issues in the right across the right for the last four or five years. But Republicans warring among themselves now in a different heated way, trying to figure out. What to do about questions that the party has largely been dodging and avoiding and now is forced to face. Now, I haven't seen those types of uh, ads out here in Texas. I'm also in D.C. I haven't seen those sort of ads out in D.C. from the from this from the good side, from the progressive side. I haven't seen them really effectively use the hypocrisy and do the work. Sometimes I wonder who the consultants are for the Democrats. Sometimes I wonder who the consultants are for the progressive, because there is so much material to show not only hypocrisy, but degeneracy that can be explained to make these guys toxic. And that is what we have to do. Make these guys toxic. And you know why we have to make them toxic? Because they are in fact toxic. They're toxic to the country. They're tax toxic to the American people. They're toxic to your personal economy. The numbers tell you, you want progressive administrations, your economy on average is up by 4.26%. You want uh, conservative uh, type right-wing policies, you know the economy grows 
at a much slower rate, half the rate of what it grows otherwise. So we all these things are there for people to see. We have to be able to relate it, take it out and let them know. So folks, uh, thank you very much. Wayne Parrish, I have to give you the shout out. Anytime people find material that I need to cover, shout out goes out there. Thank you. This week we had a great Ask Egberto Anything. Uh, Tom C. had a story about a neighbor who got a heart attack and died. And it gives the clear indication to the reasoning behind why we must have some sort of a nationalized health care, Medicare for all, but something even deeper than that. Listen to Tom's story. I think if you don't have tears in your eyes at the end of this story, something is wrong. But we have got to make a change here in America. I wanted to tell you a little story, something that happened kind of in, not directly to me, but indirectly, because we had this uh, neighbor, her husband just died mm. next door. And we knew that the man had a heart attack and it died. We didn't know the details until the other day. Well, I got on Zoom meeting with her um, in our in our group, where we have a poetry group and some other things. And she related this story to, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, it scared the heck out of me and, and Elaine too, because, you know, we talk about the healthcare system in the United States and we talk about Medicare for all. I think we've got a bigger problem than how to pay for uh, med- medical uh, pro- uh, issues. And, and I, and this, this story demonstrated it. her husband had a heart attack <clears throat> on, on uh, a weekend on Saturday morning. They went to the emergency room in this hospital right down this a few miles from where we live. And they treated him, but just briefly, and they said, we can't handle you because we don't have a cardiologist here. We don't have a specialist. And it's the weekend. Oh. Yeah. So they put him in an ambulance and sent him down to Ann Arbor, which is 30, 40 miles from here, and where they have a cardiac uh, unit. I'll level and one. He got there and, uh, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll take you right in. Nine hours later, emergency, nine hours sitting in emergency, they didn't take him in. He's sitting there. They had a few tests and they, and they said, oh, the, we're trying to get a hold of the cardiologist, but it's the weekend. Yeah. It's the weekend. Yeah. So they, they finally, she's, the, she's in a panic. The wife's in a panic. She's, she's talking to all these people and they're saying, we're trying to get a hold of somebody to help you. Just be patient. Sitting in the waiting room from from ten o'clock in the morning to seven at night, she says, "I, you know, I want to go someplace else. This isn't working for us." You know, oh no, yeah. somebody says, "Well, we'll put you in a room." Oh, we don't have a room because of all the COVID issues. Yeah, and uh, we, if we could get a, somebody to clean this one room, maybe we could. And the wife says, "Well, I'll clean the room," and they said, "No, you can't clean the room." But they finally get him in the hospital, no care yet. They put him, they're trying to give, they can't give him much pain. He's in agony. The guy's in, he's in perfect agony. He can't, they can't. Yeah. And the wife's saying, you know, what, what can you do? And this one nurse says, welcome to the American health care system. Wow. Welcome to the American health care. This is what she said. They said to her, unbelievable. That's well, unacceptable. The, the doctor will be seeing him in the morning. She gets home. She gets a call later, a few hours later in the middle of the night. He's dead. He had a second heart attack. No treatment, nothing. 
He's dead. Oh, Tom. He's like, oh, my God. And I'm thinking, you know, if they had a cardiologist in there, they could have had emergency surgery. They could have saved that man's life. When did this happen, Tom? Just just three weeks ago it happened. Wow. And they were making excuses. The excuses was the COVID. They were short-staffed. Okay. People were sick. Mm -hmm. And then they didn't have a room right away, COVID. But to get, they couldn't get a hold of the cardiologist. And the the excuse was, well, it's the weekend. It's the weekend. So don't, so here's my thought. You know, I'm, you know, we're old. Elaine and I, we're in our 70s. And and it's like, well, what happens to one of us? Where do we go if we have a problem? If we have a heart condition or something. And, and you know, and if it's on the weekend, forget it. Unfortunately, oh. that is more the norm than anything else. You're, you're talking about Ann Arbor, Michigan. Yes. That's yeah. not a little town. No, no, no this like is a, a big, medical yeah, mecca of the area. Yeah, and I wanted to tell you, too, because I've been thinking about this. What You know, you talk about capitalism and what really bothers me. And a lot of times I'm, you know, I'm thinking capitalism. Okay, we need some form of capitalism. But when you talk about healthcare, I think we're in trouble with capitalism because yes. these hospitals in our area, there used to be like four or five hospitals around here that you different hospitals. Now they're basically one in this in our area and and yeah. two in Ann Arbor. And they've have they have built they build these massive complexes with all these people supposedly, you know, specializing. And now you go to a local hospital and they say, oh, we don't have the special. You have to go here. And so they have to transfer you. They can't take care of you. Mm-hmm. And then um, they just the, the emphasis is on making profits. So they want as few staff as possible taking care of as many people in these big complexes. And so you're kind of out of luck unless you've got the right situation where you go to the right place at the right time. And I'm thinking, God. Do we need a national health care system? Yes, More we do. than Medicare. I'm, t- I'm, I'm talking beyond oh, Medicare. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. talking about maybe maybe some form of almost nationalized system, maybe not maybe a hybrid, but where there's control over these hospitals creating these uh, monopolies and oligopolies where they, they overextend themselves. They can't take care of people. So they have these centers you have to be transferred to, and then you're then they're all jammed up. Because Tom, I don't have enough staff. You know, I, I want to interject staff. because that is a story. If we had, if we had so many people, this, you know, at any given time, most people are healthy, right? Or, or, or fairly healthy. What I mean is you are, everybody here is not fairly healthy. Critical. We're not going to see a doctor right now or in the next right. 10 days, likely, or anything like that. So at any given time, it only affects a small fraction of the population and people have short memories. I mean, we, I think these are stories that people have, people have to see in, in that guy who died from that heart attack and in that woman who lost her husband, people have to see themselves in those women and what, or in, in those people. And what we've done, what we've done is abstracted all of that, right? So you go Taking on the TV person out of it. and when they tell you about how great American medicine is, you just take the top line. And then your story never gets uh, taken. It's like, okay, Tom's story may be the exception. It's not. Mm-mm. I have a wife no. with lupus. I have a daughter who just had two strokes. I mean, if uh, I mean, it, it is it is just amazing that we allow them to do what they do. And 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 the moniker that's used against us when we want to do right by people is 
uh, are we really that? You know, I mean, um, all right. Yeah, is it so difficult? I mean, is it crazy to want to help people? I mean, uh, when I say help people, I mean it help us all. You know? Now, I, I hope you understood exactly what occurred there, uh, what Tom explained. Somebody died that didn't have to die, and they died a slow death in a 24-hour period in which any one of those hours could have saved his life, absent a profiteering, overtaxed healthcare system. If you think we are exceptional, if you think we have the best healthcare in the world, then we could we can convince you of just about anything. This system is horrendous. Go to any other country in the world, including several that we consider third world countries. Something like this would have never occurred. We can do better. We should do better. We must do better. Medicare for all a Medicare for all that prevents things like that, the death, unnecessary death of people from occurring. Hey, what has happened? Did Mike Pence wake up on the wrong side of the bed? What is going on? Suddenly, he got some pelotas. I can't, you got to listen to this, and then we'll take it on the other side. I heard this week that President Trump said I had the right to overturn the election. But President Trump is wrong. I had no right to overturn the election. The presidency belongs to the American people and the American people alone. And frankly, there is no idea more un-American than the notion that any one person could choose the American president. The American people must know, as the Bible says, that we'll keep our oath, even when it hurts. January 6th was a dark day in the history of the United States Capitol. Lives were lost, and many were injured. I know we did our duty that day. If we lose faith in the Constitution, we won't just lose elections. We'll lose our country. Well, uh, where was Mike Pence saying that several days ago, several weeks ago, several months ago, you know, did he just learn that uh, what Donald Trump was doing was unconstitutional? No, he didn't. Some polls are showing that Donald Trump is losing support. And I think people are starting to see it. And he's at the leading edge of finding out that loss in support. So what's going to happen now? The floodgates are eventually going to happen and you're going to have the MAGA crowd set then you're going to have the sensible Republicans a tree trying to come back. The thing about it is Democrats better remember to tag these folks with how they used to be and have them have every time they were there defending Trump, even as he did the worst things any human being could do. We were talking about the media earlier, right? I want to show you a pushback on the media. And I love uh, <laughs> Stephanie Rule. I think Stephanie Rule is a, is a good woman. And not only that, she generally gets things right. But I want to show you, uh, I want to make sure that I play the right one here. Um, I think this is the one here. Let's, let's see. All right. It turns out that, 
you know, um, Stephanie Rule has a problem. She said, why is it that the message about how successful Biden was with getting all his, his uh, justices approved? Isn't it, why is it nobody's talking about it? And check out this exchange. I think it was a wonderful exchange. Biden is getting a lot more done on the bench front than people realize. You know, Republicans get credit for the Federalist Society, all those judges Trump appointed. However, Biden got more federal judges confirmed in 2021 than any first year president since Reagan. 40 in his first year. Trump got 23. Why isn't this getting more attention? It's a very big deal. I could turn the question back on you, Stephanie. Why isn't the media reporting this? Because this is the true success of Biden's domestic agenda. And it's not simply that he has been absolutely assiduous in getting his nominees through. The nominees look very different from what we've seen for a long time. Historically, nominees to the federal courts have been drawn from the ranks of prosecutors, big firm lawyers. He's completely turned this around. Not only is there demographic diversity, there's diversity in the kind of professional experience that these nominees have. Public defenders, labor side lawyers. I mean, it's the array is absolutely staggering. And again, it looks more like the legal profession than perhaps it ever has. Amen to that. We do need to talk about it more. During the last administration, we talked right here about all those judges Trump was putting on the bench, white male under the age of 40, men with very little credibility. Some were ghost hunters. And we should remind our audience, 40 confirmed in Biden's first year, many of whom are true representation of our legal force in this country. We spend a- exactly, exactly. And I, I, I you know, Stephanie Rule took it in stride. It's like, yeah, you got me there. If American doesn't know about all these things that Biden is doing, maybe just maybe it is, in fact, the fault of the media not giving or telling Americans the story. So I, I, I but I thought that was just an example of how the media functions. Right. Don't forget, please support the show. Support the station as well. Why am I asking you to support KPFT 90.1 FM Houston? It is extremely important. Remember that KPFT embraces cultural diversity. We represent the entire Houston, the entire metropolitan area. We represent the entire country. KPFT supports programming that's not the status quo. We challenge the status quo. We don't give you what the corporatocracy just want to give you. We are here to tell you not only the truth, but to express it in a way that that we all understand. That's KPFT's job. We are not trying to forget the past. We embrace the past and we are there to celebrate the future because things change. What am I saying? Please remember KPFT 90.1 FM is a gem. We are in the process of moving. We are in the process of relocating to a new space. We need you more than we have ever needed you before to keep this thing going. Over 50 years of giving you great info, not only progressive programming, but alternative uh, programming. What do we mean by alternative programming? We mean things that you are not going to get elsewhere. We also mean telling you the truth about things that others may not want you to know. So please remember, folks, call 713 526-5738. Again, that number is 713-526-5738. But even better, visit kpft.org. Click the donate button. Make sure you select politics done right for the program. The form will give you your donate and gift options. Please get one of my several 
books out there. As I see it, class warfare, the only resort to right-wing doom for a contribution of $120. It's worth it. How to talk to your right-wing relatives, friends, and neighbors for a contribution of $120. How to make America utopia, take away the economy from those who rigged it for a pledge of $120. Get any two of those books for $200, any three of those books for $250. The contributions for my books go directly to support our station, KPFT 90.1 FM. Alternatively, folks, please get your basic KPFT-only membership for $40, a Pacifica-only membership for $25, or choose from one of our many other gifts for your contribution. Just go to kpft.org. Choose Politics Done Right for the program and select an option either for our books or something else to support the station. It is definitely worth it. We are honored to have Katrina Vanden Heuvel with us today. She is a, an American editor and publisher. She is the publisher, part owner, and former editor of Progressive Ma- the Progressive Magazine, The Nation. She is often a commentator on political televisions, including ABC, CBS, NBC, and all the major networks. Vanden Heuvel is a member of the Council of Foreign Relations, a U.S. nonprofit think tank. She is a recipient of the Norman Mailer Prize. Vanden Heuvel graduated from the Trinity University in 1977. She graduated summa cum laude with an A.B. in politics from Princeton University. Ms. Van Heuvel, thank you so kindly for having been or for being here in politics. Then, right? How are you doing today? I'm okay. Please call me Katrina. All right. No problem. <laughs> no problem, Katrina. <laughs> Anyhow, look, one of the reasons that I wanted to talk to you today is uh, your expertise on what's going on in um, Ukraine right now and, and NATO and the United States. Why don't you first give our audience a rundown of Ukraine from its, from its recent nascent existence? So thank you. And uh, honored to join you. I'm not an expert. I'm someone who's Travel to Russia, really Moscow, for 40 years and have covered the country. And certainly I've, I've covered the crisis, not just in the last months, but over the last decade or more, really since the end of the Soviet Union, 20 years. So Ukraine. Ukraine uh, is a, a very large republic adjoining Russia. The crisis right now is that Ukraine... We're witnessing a civil war that has become a proxy war that has become a geopolitical struggle. Uh, Ukraine is an independent country. It's deeply divided between East and West. Kiev, they speak Ukrainian. In the East of Ukraine, it's Russian speaking. These are important issues in terms of protection of rights and language. The the grave sin here, if, if I might say, was NATO expansion, which your listeners may know some about, but just briefly at the end of this, when the Soviet Union ended, the Warsaw Pact, which was the counter to NATO, collapsed as it did the Soviet Union. So the question was, why was NATO needed? NATO had been designed to keep Mm -hmm. Russia out. It was a military structure. It's no coffee clutch. In 1990, in Berlin, Uh, When Germany reunified, these were all dramatic events. Gorbachev, then Soviet leader, really a democratizer whose democracy attempts have been squandered, was promised by George H.W. Bush and James Baker that NATO would not 
quote, move one inch eastward. This is, was a broken promise. There was no agreement. It was verbal. But it has tainted and poisoned relations ever since. Um, so NATO not only expanded eastward, but it has expanded to the borders of Russia. The epicenter of the Cold War, the old Cold War, was Germany. 13 countries joined before 2008, and then now you have 30 plus. And the real uh-huh. crunch came and I'll, in 2008 when George W. Uh, at a NATO meeting fast-tracked Ukraine and Georgia membership. You know, it's not, there's a delusional quality to our discussions right now because for you, there's a deep asymmetry as well. For Russia, Ukraine is a vital interest. You can say national security, but it's also human. Many Russians are intermarried, they're ties. There's no vital interest in this country in Ukraine. Some people may say that's blasphemy, but it's a realist position. And no American president is going to send American men and women. They are sending weapons to sell you. But it's um, even according to NATO's own charter, Ukraine could not join at this moment because of the territorial integrity issues. So. There's, you know, it's really so 2013, 14, there was essentially a coup in Ukraine. There were attempts to uh, have an election uh, with the former president as part of it, but that fell apart. He fled. Uh, New leader came to power, a chocolate oligarch um, (laughs) and who was very corrupt and Mm -hmm. um, he is, was ousted in an election, and the new president is a, someone who played a president on TV. On TV, yeah. He, he, he's a humorist. He's a comedian. And he's well-meaning, but the forces in Ukraine that are seeking to undermine uh, diplomatic resolution are fierce. And I think we often forget that in both countries, Ukraine and Russia, you have forces that are not just, you know, Putin, Putin, Putin. He has his own blob, his own establishment and his own military hardline forces. And those in eastern Ukraine, separatists who are seeking a different resolution, aren't that happy about diplomacy, would rather. So there's a lot going on. I will conclude right now and say the most dangerous thing in my mind. And I do think we're at a moment and, I, you know, again, your listeners, viewers, how resonant this is. A moment of U.S.-Russian confrontation that is, is as dangerous as the Cuban Missile Crisis in 1962. Nuclear armed powers. The most dangerous thing, it seems to me, is not that we're sending troops to the East European countries. As you know, 3,000 troops have been sent. They're more on alert. It's the weapons and the special advisors going into Ukraine. The weapons since 2014, about $3 billion dollars. And we don't know how many special advisors there are. The danger there, of course, is, you know, a tripwire, an accident, a stumble, a U.S. special ops force on the front lines shot. I mean, these are issues that could trigger. So I don't see this as a, that parallel to World War II and all the talk of Munich and appeasement. It's more like World War I, where we could be stumbling into a bloody trench, person to person kind of. 19th century battle. 
Very dangerous. You know, it, it is sad, Katrina, because one of the things that, that, that really upsets me a lot is you come on, you did it both with the Nations uh, magazine and many others do it with other, other rags out there, is that they really try to educate the American populace as to what's going on so that they can make an educated decision. One of the things that I really uh, find intriguing is that we just got out of Afghanistan. And in going out of Afghanistan, we left the defense industrial complex uh, needing, they, they needed places to, to arm. And in keeping an, an, an intelligent American population, and you create a, a, a an issue that we don't understand that what what uh, Bush did with uh, Russia, etc. It gives the impetus to provide more weaponry and more business mm-hmm. to these guys. I want you to tell me what do you see as the relation between the uneducated American uh, by design, as well as a military industrial complex using that to push politicians to work against our own interest? Very, very, very good question. Um, So to step back a year or so, I think every few years, the United States issues a strategic national security strategy document, five-year planning. And it was interesting, this past document, that counterinsurgency, as it's called, was downgraded. And the new threats are Russia and China. And they're called it the new threats. Now, if you take it to your good question, the weapons companies, this is crass, but real, don't make that much money in counterinsurgency. The big weapon systems, big ones, are in the old forms of Cold War, China, Russia. In fact, there was a a good report about a week ago. Someone got on a call. These, These are big companies, the big four military industrial complexes. And it was a call with shareholders. And they were boasting of how much they were making in these times, how good it was for them. Uh, I don't think you can strip away those profits and what that means. NATO, by the way, is also uh, very involved, invested in the military industrial complex. Part of membership in NATO is that you're you buy primarily from U.S., maybe French, other companies, and that your equipment be compatible interoperability. Um, So. But here's my thinking about people. I think there's a tendency in a lot of our politics around foreign policy to blame the people, you know, like the people demand we do this. I think there's a lot going on in Washington in the blob and the establishment that has its own rhyme and rhythm. It's in its own world. I think Americans and I don't want to speak for all Americans, but you could see in the you see in some of the surveys, people don't want endless war. I mean, there was an anger how we got out of Afghanistan, not not that we did get out. Mm-hmm. It's a different issue. I mean, but um, but it is insane, it seems to me. I do think people want an end to endless wars, multiple deployments. Who's fighting? You know, I mean, it's a it's class, it's race. It brings. And then the, the ultimate to me is um, think of all the crises we have to face from from pandemics. I just read like we're running out of, you know, equipment globally. There's an apartheid of vaccination. We have an existential climate crisis. We have staggering inequality at home and globally and racial justice, injustice. So many issues that demand resources. So we've just come out of an insurgency, 20 years, the longest running war, except for maybe for Korea. And you know how much we, you know, cost of war project at Brown University Estimated, and they're very good, 5.6 trillion. Think of that. And today, the humanitarian catastrophe in Afghanistan 
horrific and demands $5 billion. But the international community, such as it is, can't find that money. So I think, you know, if we're going to go to war, which we shouldn't, I've said this, we should have an escrow account designated for the cost of war. If we, you know, the people should not at this stage, those who are suffering in Afghanistan because of all the battles. And so uh, we're, we are we really going into another insurgency in a country which, you know, it's, it's just um, I don't know where the wisdom is. I do know that there is a diplomatic path uh, on offer that if there was a will and there's a way you can find a kind of at a minimum work toward a solution, which is the best we can do. Right? Well, you know, Katarina, I think what the, the work that you do and the work that a lot, a lot of us are trying to do right now in, 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 getting the people to pressure their politicians. Otherwise, yes. it's the only option that we have right now and the only option that can actually bear results because the, the opponent, the war industrial complex, the defense industrial oh, complex, dear. they are powerful. And on right here in, on K Street, we know what it's like. Now, I, I, you brought up something that, that's going to force me to segue into a quick issue. I don't want to take too much of your time, but I really want to get your opinions on this. Um, you, you started to speak about the vaccine and the apartheid and vaccine, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I, I don't only look at it as the apartheid and vaccine. I look at it as in, in, the, in, in that the, the crisis that we have between the haves and the have-nots so huge. And anytime we try to assist, there's a problem. Build back better. Something that is marginally small compared to what we put out in so many places it's problematic. How, first of all, what, what's your thoughts on Build Back Better and its composites? And also, what are your thoughts on how the hell do we get out of this dilemma? Well, small question. But <laughs> um, it's it, critical. Um, you're right that what should be is a massive public investment program. And what we've gotten you know, there was first the, the American infra infrastructure plan did cut poverty 40 percent. But the fact that it doesn't continue is a travesty. And then you had the basic infrastructure plan. So you had the relief plan 1.9 and the infrastructure that built back better, had some very good programs. But as we know, you got two people who are holding up due to the undemocratic nature of the Senate. And without those margins, this thing has been held up. I think Manchin said the other day it's dead. There's going to be a move, as I follow it, to pass in different pieces. So mm -hmm. it's not one bill. I had a problem with, you know, there was a hope that the bill would be covered, the Build Back Better, as a bill to improve the condition of people's lives. Instead, every day, as you know, in the media, it was sausage. It was, you know, how much did it cost? How much did it cost? And people got freaked out, I think, by that and not learning what was in it that would improve the condition of their lives. Our system, what scares me is we have a structural block. We have a minoritarian power center, undemocratic, uh, racist for the most part, and uh they have a hold of institutions that will assure their power for a long period of time. And I think how we take on the institutions is a very difficult job, but it's imperative because the Senate's not democratic. Look at the courts. The Supreme Court 
in some, you know, it's just a, such a block. And now we're going to have this battle. And then you have the state houses gerrymandering. So these are all demand what you said, people power, but also allied with those inside who can fight the fight. Uh, I do think the movements have been strong. I believe in social movements making change. We talk about speaking truth to power. I'm struck by this, though, because I wrote a little bit about Afghanistan based on the Afghan papers, which were open documents showing the generals knew it wasn't working. It was like, you know, Vietnam. So, in fact, in speaking truth to power, often those in power know the truth, but they don't want to show it because they show their weakness. And I think we can approach movement organizing in a way that there are weaknesses and there are inflection points and edges we can take on. Now, your magazine has been instrumental in the progressive movement, uh, or no other. Well, there, there are many out there as well, yeah. but yours have been instrumental. Um, but one of the issues that we have is that we don't get enough coverage of the issues in the detail that you that you've just spoken about. I mean, you you're every now and then they want to get a little snippet. They throw you on MSNBC or NBC or one of the networks and you get to say your piece. And we have the right and the neoliberals talking both against you. I mean, it's like your left is your left flank is not with you and your right flank is not with you. I've spoken about having to really establish a strong independent network that is not affiliated at all with any of the corporatocracy. Um, uh, how can we achieve that goal, in your opinion, given your expertise with having been with The Nation magazine and others? Well, I think it's already happening in the sense that younger audiences, and I don't mean to be ageist, are not watching some of the corporate media. They're making their own media. Some of it is of quality. Some of it is not. But the technology, not to fetishize the technology, but does allow more independence. And whether it's podcasts, I believe in radio, uh, streaming, there, there's an ability to hear more voices. And I think people, many people are sick of the kind of suffocating consensus. You're so right. When I was doing more corporate media, they cast you. They wanted you to be the liberal Democrat. And by the way, that was the the kind of range of mm-hmm. views. So they immediately limit the parameter of views. And then there was Russiagate, which, you know, you can have different points of view on, but I think it squandered five years of our, you know, how, how much was not discussed and all the attention to it. And I was doing a uh, radio show and I think, you know, they wanted a liberal and I sounded not in terms of my views about cooperation with mm-hmm. Russia, but in terms of the situation with Russiagate. So, but, you know, and then it's 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 not healthy in terms of the parameters of the possible. And I think um, I do think there's more opportunity. Uh, it's still not what it should be. These are the people's airwaves. Uh, but they are the news. We are fir- our first and only centerfold at the nation. It was like a glossy centerfold it was four octopi, uh, you know, and mm-hmm. it showed like the news was a tiny cog in a corporate entity. Mm -hmm. You know, that plays a role because these corporations have to go get licensed in D.C. It's not, you know, there are a whole set of factors. But um, I I think there's more opportunity than 20 years ago. I end every single one of my interviews with the same question, and that is, what would you have liked me to ask you that I didn't? 
I love this conversation. I'm so used to four second conversations. Um, <laughs> you know, this is a, what, what could have been. I believe in alternatives in life, love, politics. Instead of NATO, there could have been a demilitarized architecture of work and politics in Europe. But instead, we've militarized so much that I find that debilitates and depletes the mind. So peace and security and restraint and engagement and less military, you know, let's start to demilitarize because it's not it's not assisting anyone. Katrina van den Heuvel, thank you so kindly for having been on Politics Done Right. I am sure that my audience would be more knowledgeable for it. Thank you so kindly. Very grateful. Thank you. Don't forget, please support the show. Support the station as well. Why am I asking you to support KPFT 90.1 FM Houston? It is extremely important. Remember that KPFT embraces cultural diversity. We represent the entire Houston, the entire metropolitan area. We represent the entire country. KPFT supports programming that's not the status quo. We challenge the status quo. We don't give you what the corporatocracy just want to give you. We are here to tell you not only the truth, but to express it in a way that we all understand. That's KPFT's job. We are not trying to forget the past. We embrace the past and we are there to celebrate the future because things change. What am I saying? Please remember KPFT 90.1 FM is a gem. We are in the process of moving. We are in the process of relocating to a new space. We need you more than we have ever needed you before to keep this thing going. Over 50 years of giving you great info, not only progressive programming, but alternative pro uh, programming. What do we mean by alternative programming, we mean things that you are not going to get elsewhere. We also mean telling you the truth about things that others may not want you to know. So please remember, folks, call 713-526-5738. Again, that number is 713-526-5738. But even better, visit kpft.org. Click the donate button. Make sure you select politics done right for the program. The form will give you your donate and gift options. Please remember to keep your community radio station in your minds. Keep KPFT on your mind. Talk about it. Tell your friends about it. Tell them you know about this station in town, 90.1 FM Houston, that needs your support. That is there to provide that nourishment that we need. KPFT 90.1 FM Houston. You can listen and or watch Politics Done Right Mondays through Fridays on Facebook Live at facebook.com slash politicsdoneright or on YouTube Live at politicsdoneright.com slash YouTube. Please do not forget to follow me on Twitter for updates. My Twitter handle is at Egberto Willis, at E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L-I. IES. But don't you forget, listen to us live on air at KPFT 90.1 FM on Thursdays at noon and at Fridays at 11 a.m. all central time. Please get one of my several 
books out there. As I see it, class warfare, the only resort to right-wing doom for a contribution of $120. It's worth it. How to talk to your right-wing relatives, friends, and neighbors for a contribution of $120. How to make America utopia, take away the economy from those who rigged it for a pledge of $120. Get any two of those books for $200, any three of those books for $250. The Contributions for my books go directly to support our station, KPFT 90.1 FM. Alternatively, folks, please get your basic KPFT-only membership for $40, a Pacifica-only membership for $25, or choose from one of our many other gifts for your contribution. Just go to kpft.org. Choose Politics Done Right for the program and select an option either for our books or something else to support the station. It is definitely worth it. We have a great donor. She said, Egberto, you raised $600 today and you've got $300 from me. So my dear friends, please get the books at either 120, 240, uh, whatever. Get the books or go ahead and get a membership. All of it adds up. Either $25 Pacifica membership for $40, KPFT membership, the books or other good gifts that you have at the show. Just select Politics Done Right as the choice. But please help me collect that extra $300 for poli- for not for politics and right but for KPFT if you come if you support us right now please kpft.org kpft.org or call 7135265738 you can really help us to get this stuff going well, folks, that's it for today. You know how I'm going to end this baby. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right. And you know how I end this baby. I am what? Out! Welcome to Politics Done Right. I am your host, Egberto Willis. This is a progressive program that will take the mystery out of politics. This is the program that will encourage you to make sure government becomes we the people. Whether you are liberal, progressive, conservative, or otherwise, you get to hear your point of view. We are an independent media outlet that unlike mainstream media beholden to corporations, we only own 